<laughs> okay, so I think what we're gonna do is um is we'll just take a little bit of time and talk about your kipper. Should be on kipper. It's good. They don't get too up. Do you guys go? You guys go last night? Five turn. Yeah. 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 Can't. Great. She's like, how should she find it? Uh, Is it on canvas? Yeah, I always wonder how to join ones. Yeah, I think it's I told her it's in Canvas. I didn't check, but that's not the pages, right? I mean, you found it? No. Oops. She's gonna be looking for one. She's also in Midway, so I don't know if she even like has service. She should have. There's always. This should have a meeting idea. I'll give you a day idea. Okay. Six three one. Nine three six. Six three one nine three six. Four nine six three. Four nine six three. Is there a password? Yeah. No. Okay. No password. I should make the password. No password. No people ask. Is it password? Can't have it. Hey, what's password? Go. Okay. Do it. Which is the most exciting part. Which is what I've been Okay. Um, so I want to uh, go ahead and just pray for you what exactly the tutor process is, because I think that this is one of those things which is uh, very often misunderstood. And as a result of it being misunderstood, so it's harder to get into the day of Yom Kippur. I will take a poll, but imagine if I were to take a five show of hands, how many people are excited that Yom Kippur is coming? I don't know if I would see many hands. It means a break. It means going to Paris or going down to Dallas. Going down to Dallas. So maybe uh, exciting for other reasons, but not, uh, not uh, that people are necessarily uh, excited for the arrival of what? The Red Star. Red So not necessarily something which people are excited about by itself. And yet we know that Chazal tell us that uh, of the two days of the year, which were the happiest days. And this is the time of the Shai, so there were two days which were the happiest days of the year. You know what they were? And Kippur and Tuba. And what did we do on both of those days? Or what happened on both those days? Not what was the reason why it was happening? That's also a thing, but no looking for Shudu, which we would not imagine. You know, Kippur? I guess it's convenient. It runs in the same place. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. You didn't even need to necessarily be in the base of Mikdash. There's no reason for anybody to be in the base of Mikdash on Yom Kippur other than the Kohen Gadol. Everybody else could just stay. Just enjoying it at the end of the day. It's not like Sukkot where there's a mitzvah of Ali on the regular. There's no mitzvah of Ali on the regular going up to the base of Mikdash on Yom Kippur per se. Um, although it may be an exciting time just to watch what's going on. If you've never been there, imagine it was probably a matzah, you know, going, uh, going on. But there was no mitzvah to uh, to be there to be there necessarily. But these are days of great joy, and the concept of joy with Yom Kippur. So those usually are not things which we group together. 
Purim enjoy, we will uh, we'll put together. Yom Kippur enjoy, we don't really see it, the, most people don't necessarily see it that way. And I don't know about necessarily where you daven, I assume it's uh, it's universal, but there is a practice at the end of Yom Kippur when they're singing the Shana Bab Yishalayim that people, they sing the dancing show a little bit? Yeah. Right. So we're not singing dancing, hooray, it passes over, we can go home, we can go, you know, eat whatever it is that, uh, that we want, and we, we made it through. There's, it, it's supposed to be a genuine joy which one is experiencing. Not something which is uh, superficial and not a celebration of the fact that you're going to be able to go home and eat, but it's something which is much more profound than that. And I want to uh, sort of walk you to what that joy is and why the day is characteristically uh, something which is so joyous. Okay, so in order to do this very simple process, all we need to do is understand what tshuva is. All right. So, what is that issue? So, any uh, any guesses, any thoughts, any things that you've learned before about the uh, the tshuva process? Yes. Well, I was actually just listening to a share about it this morning. Had um, I didn't even speak yet. Here we go. Well, for Judah Michal, do you know what that is? For Judah Michal, I know that. Um, a house, like so, it was by him, and he was saying that like. Oftentimes, like achieve it and see scary, like this list of like you have to, you know, repentance. You have to like, like ask Hashem forgiveness for all these things that you've done and get overwhelming. But he like described it a sense more of like, like Hashem is our Father and like it's okay we make mistakes and we just want to become close to Him. And so what we do to show this can help us become as a form of us kind of closer to Him. Because we're like looking back in our past, but at the same time we want to do better. So the whole purpose is to like ultimately come closer to okay. through reviewing and like saying sorry for what we did. So, so what, if you're going to translate Shuba in that context, you're correct. You're going to translate Shuba in that context. I would say returning your relationship back to the shadows. Returning relationship. Okay, good. And uh, in the Rambam's. Um, um, his uh, recipe for chuba. So, what are the parts of chuba? Or vidu is one of them. you have to what you did. Um, Stop what you're doing. Vidu and. But they have to know all those parts. All those parts, how do they relate to uh, restoring your relationship with God? Um, well, it's like, so just, just apologizing to Hashem, and then well, like yeah, I mean ultimately you just want to like like just follow commandments and like be better, and I think that ultimately that will help close the relationship with Hashem. I think it's like kind of like a like a cause and like that just a major reaction that happens. So the Rebbe goes ahead and enumerates. He says, "Do these things." And then, if you follow this equation, so then the net result is going to be closer to God. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's apologizing, but the point is that you've had some, or we're all born with the natural connection session. And we want to get back to that place and choose a process by which we can get. Okay, good. So we're trying to get back to, to some place. But right? truth going back to some, some place. Excellent. Anything else? No, we got it covered. Okay, that's it. So let me ask you the following question. Um, I don't remember if this class I have a son who's born in second year after Shana. Mention it. Happy early birthday. What? Happy early birthday. So late. Very, very, very early. Yes. So, I'm going to go. Uh, oh, yeah. We're moving our timeline also. Just because that's the way my brain is wired. It's timeline goes out. Right? So, over here, at this stage, He's a cop because it's not yet his 13th birthday. 
Over here, base this way. He's a god. So that doesn't go here. Excellent. Right? So now here you have Yud Tishrei. Yud Tishrei is another way of saying Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. So, um, and for eight days, we're going to stop. So, <laughs> even better than that. So, um, what happens on what's the, what's the value of these seven days? The seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Actually, just like eight days, we'll say we'll include Yom Kippur as well. What happens eight days after Rosh Hashanah? What happens on Rosh Hashanah? So the, the image which which Chazal teaches is God sits down. Scale. He's got a couple of books in front of him. One book is for right. Tzadikim. Those are going to be written for life. Another book is right, and then everybody else is. Bain. What happens to Bain? They're still on your kipper. So the only so if you're a tzaddik goer, you're good to go once Rosh Hashanah is done. Don't do anything else. If you're a Russia dumber, whatever good to go is for Russia, but they're good to go, they're already done. Everything is done already then. The only value of Gimel Tishrei through Yud Tishrei is for the Bainan. But those who are sort of 50 50, so they Ms. Barkley gives an extra time Why? to allow it. What? Why is that true? There's some can't do to chew when there's AD. What? There's some can't do to chew when there's AD. Excellent question. Good afternoon. Uh, maybe next year's Shabbat Tuba. We'll uh, give a crush about that. Everybody preparing for this year's Shabbat Tuba. So I have to wait for next year. But, and this is not part of that, but th that's the way it is, is that the, the middle time is for the baby. Right? So if, you, if somebody becomes an adult on base to trade, so all the other is from last year, from Tufshin, let's call it Tufshin Gimel, right? They were all done as a couple. What's the line? What's the responsibility for a bit done as a cut? Zero. No. So if you become a bit on base tishrei, so do you need to go through the aseret mechuba? No. No, because he was already sealed on his tongue. He, he was still cut on the first day of Rosh Hashanah when the judgment was there. He was still cut. No one gets sealed on Rosh Hashanah. So did. If there's not payments, he doesn't say that. Never. What? No one's under. Okay, see where I went over here. I know. It says, our Chris Vidoy, our Yafna. It says, this is S9 on the 16B, Rafa. Oh, it's on the 5th, Rafa. 
But the three books are opened on Rashi so the absolutely righteous are written and sealed immediately for life. The the absolutely wicked are written and sealed immediately for death. And the Begarin, the people who are in the middle part of the bell curve, so they are sort of hanging in the balance and waiting between Rosh Hashanah and Yibur. So if they merit, if the Begarin merit, Nifrav Lechayim, then they get written to, for life. Lo Zafun, if they do not merit, Nifrav Lechayim, so they get written for death. So this being the case, so if you have somebody becomes a Rosh Hashanah. If somebody comes to Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, so what is their job? Do they need the Athers Meitshuva? There's certainly no Averus that they did, right? Can't be held accountable for that. So, do would they go ahead and have an opportunity where you say you're off the hook? You don't have to go to sleep house. You don't have to, you know, just spend time. Uh, you can drive on the regular Shonessa and Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur doesn't have much. It's not much. It's not going to do anything for you because you don't need it. Then what happens if they do a garrison? That'll be next year. Next year, that'll be our Tuftin a Dalin's um, judgment rather than Tuftin a Yom. So they're already accumulated for next year, but that's not for this year. Right? The judgment that we have between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is last year's stuff, not this coming year's stuff. So for last year's stuff, and they were still a captain, so maybe they're it's an easy schmeasy. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I really need to So what if it's for, like, next year? It's for next year. It counts towards something, and it counts towards your relationship with the shaman, and there's only, like, fatherless involved, so I don't see why not. So yes, that's true. Because for right now, it's always good to do shuva. Do an Avera, it's always good to do shuva, and why should you go ahead and miss out on that opportunity? Everybody's doing it. So it must be something which is uh, which is good and which is valuable. So uh, yes, that may be true. But um, I don't know uh, if you were a teenage boy, but teenage boy generally have a tendency to default to the lowest, uh, the least amount of effort whatsoever. So if you don't actually have to do uh, any work during a series of the year that you become a mitzvah, they're probably not going to want to do any work. Okay. So this is a question which is an important question. So let me ask you another question, which is similar to uh, to this question, but just slightly uh, different. And here we'll have <laughs> English dates. December 31st, January 1st, January 2nd. Okay? Great. On this day, this faithful, faithful day on January 1st, you went ahead and you ate a double egg and cheeseburger. Yes? No. Yes. In my story, he ate a double egg and cheeseburger. So somebody went ahead and they, they committed an Avera on January 1st. Now, after they commit that Avera on January 1st, whatever that Avera is, you can insert your own faith in Avera. But whatever it is that you did, so you did that on January 1st, and now you're holding by January 2nd, and you feel terrible about it. All those years of baseball education, and here it was. I went ahead and I threw it all, tossed it all aside, just to go ahead and do Aveira, fill in the blank. So you want to do shuba, yeah? So now, when you do shuba now on on January second, so what is where is where is that going to take you? As you said later, chuva means returning. return. So where am I returning to? Seemingly, what happens is, it's through the chuva process, I magically go back over to here, and I'm able to, now, I rewrite history, I eradicate the affair which was done over here, as if it ever happened, and now my January 1st now exists on record without the Avera of eating the double bacon cheeseburger on that day. So as it was it was unfolding in real time, and Avera took place on January 1st, Shuba says we're going to go backwards in time, 
We're going to undo the record. We're going to expunge your record. And now it turns out that on January 1st, there's no longer, you look back at the record, and that uh, the hint of the Avera, the record of the Avera, no longer exists. That's, that's a true process. So we're standing there and you're keeping this here. We say, So all those times that we say, go ahead and we talk and we hit ourselves on the chest. What we're doing is I'm going back to that date when I committed this Avera. And now by doing the vetoing, committing not to do this Avera anymore, I'm rewriting history. And now it turns out that in I didn't actually do all of those Avera because now the process of Chuga allows me to rewrite history. Is that the way we, we, we see the, the Yom Kippur process? The Chuvah process? Mm, not, really. not really. Okay, good. So, what what about it is not really? Well, Chuvah also doesn't just be raised from the era, it makes you know, the Chuvah. When you got the Chuvah, when you got the Chuvah. Oh, so, good. So, now it's raising a good point. So here, I commit the Avera on January 1st. On January 2nd, I go ahead and I do Chuba. So, excuse me, about the, the, the way we're, we're structured, what that does is it takes me back to December 31st, and now I re-experience January 1st without that Avera. On December 31st, was I such a good person? I was just somebody, I'm, I'm no better off for the Chuba. I just no longer have the Avera on my mind. Am I better off for that? It's just as if I didn't do the Avera. So we're just going back to this setting, the pre-Avera setting. Now I'm pretending as if that was uninterrupted. And now I am, I'm whatever spiritual status I was on December 31st, Chuba allows me to go back to that spiritual setting. So if I was, let's say, I'm getting, you know, 76. You know, that, that's my uh, my spiritual rating. Not 100%, not the such exotic, but about such a rush that I'm failing. I'm getting a 76, a 77. Eh, okay. Over here, I do this Avera, which now sends me down to 72. Now I do Chuba, so that brings me back to 76. <laughs> so, is that what happens? Is that our, our perception of Chuba? Yeah. Why not? And what else could it be? Yeah. What? So if I do Shuvah, how about turns into Mitzvah? How does that work? How did I double wake in? Tell me how a double wake in cheeseburger is going to be a Mitzvah, please. It's going to be the Chuvah. What? It's like bigger than the So, so can, I, can I intentionally eat the, the, no. the do the Avera so that I can do Shuvah and become the big Sonic and get the double wake in cheeseburger in the process? Definitely fail. So it's like comforting to you know that when you do fail, if you come back and don't get up, then I can't should leave you better off. But based on Leia's definition, where Chuba's returning, so how can I return to the place that I was? How can I return to the higher place? I wasn't there. And Chuba should only be, it should just be a reset button. All it can do is take me back to where I was before the other and now it's if I didn't do the other I'm getting rid of the other that's what we, that I think. Commonly, that's the way people perceive the chupa process. I'm getting rid of the other. But that shouldn't make me better off for it. How do I end up better off for it? Hmm. Okay, perfect. That's what I want to hear. Okay. So, um, so the answer is something which is actually, it, it, it's very important, and it's something which is a, a, an essential process to be aware of. This is a phrase. Can't really translate for because it has to do with plants, which I don't really know what they are. There's a shorish pora rochville on a pora some sort of plant. Lana is a plant. Yeah. Why is it significant? Yes, move it up. So what's important is is that you have a shin, you have a vav, you have a pay, you have a rich. Right. So the Russian Tavis of that is Shofar. So obviously, it's not by coincidence. 
So there's a process. Shofar is supposed to do it, but it's it's indicative of what we're trying to do. And that is, is that when we are, are doing a tshuva process, when we're actually doing tshuva, as designed by Pesh Baruch as the, the, the gift that he gave us, which is Yom Kippur, so we're not simply rewriting the record and just taking the Aveira, which was done off of the record, so that's no longer part of the permanent record. What we're trying to do is try to do something like Malka said, is we're trying to uproot the Aveira from its source. So what does that mean to uproot the Avera from the source? What does that mean conceptually? Yeah, we don't have to do the drive to do that. What have the drive to do it again? What are we doing again? So the simple idea is, I don't know how much of you uh, um, take care of your lawn, but if you have weeds growing on your lawn, so if you just cut them off at the surface, what happens? They're going to go back, right? The only way to get rid of weeds is you got to get to the root, right? Or the same thing is true because they use all sorts of mashal. If you have something which is rusty, then if you have something which is rusty and you clean up 99% of the rust, what's going to happen? It's going to re-rust. And if you don't get out all of the cancer, it will it will come back. Is this like, kind of like the concept of the that uh, this is related to uh, to the keys. Yes, I'm not going to get so uh, spiritual. <laughs> that's, that's beyond my uh, my capacity. But yes, but it's it, it's it, that line. So, what exactly does that mean to get into the? How, how do you get to the root of the abeir? Why did we shake double bacon cheeseburger? Because it looks like it tastes good. What's the root of that abeir? Okay, good time. So what, what's the Avera? Is the Avera the title? No. Giving it, okay. Now I'm going to take you off into a different direction for a moment. Eventually this will sw- swing back around to, uh, to Chuba, and I'll put it, uh, I'll put it into context. Um, there is... Um, hopefully you don't know, but maybe you do, maybe not, I don't know. Uh, don't know what your experiences are, but there's a thing which is called <laughs> referred to as IFS. The Russian papers means anything to you? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's a school last year. In seminary or yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, but like each part of you, like, right? Like works together, and like you have to like figure out like control. Like I don't, I don't like remember exactly how it works, but you learned about managers, yeah, firefighters, yeah, definitely managers. I don't remember firefighters, but. Um, what happens? Um, uh, little kids um, believe that they are uh, that they are proficient at everything. Little kids, like my my little one, uh, uh, wanted the, he wanted a guitar, so we got him like a, a kid's guitar, and does not play. Never had any lessons. Just strums away, and magically, amazingly, he's able to sing any song to his strum. So he thinks he is the world's greatest guitar player ever because he just picked up the guitar and suddenly he can play every song he knows and sing along with it. Yeah, you've seen somebody like that? Mm-hmm. Every little child, right? So now, why do we not find adults doing the same thing? Why do we find adults pick up a guitar and just start thumbing and thinking that they're playing an actual song? They have solution. They have solution. But where did that solution come from? So usually what happens... What? No, I, I wish that was. <laughs> I, I wish people had the self awareness to know what's good and what's not good. Usually, what happens is you find a little one who's singing, a two year old, a three year old, a four year old who's trying to sing their songs in school. They're getting the words wrong, they get the tune wrong, they get everything wrong. Yeah, they just know the name of it. So, almost inevitably, what will happen is either a parent or sometimes it's going to be an older sibling. Is going to say to that young one who's singing, 
You don't know how to sing. You don't know any of the words. You're off tune. This is terrible. It sounds like dead chickens, right? Now, when the little one hears that they sound like dead chickens because they don't know the words, they don't know the song, what happens to the child? What? They cry. Pain, right? They can experience pain. Nobody likes to experience that pain. Now, I can tell you that 30 years from now, that little boy who was uh, who was made fun of because of his singing, he's going to move to a new new city. He's going to come to a new and they're going to say, Shalom what's your name? My name is Shlami. Do you want to daven shachas for the Amud? And what's he going to say? No, 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 no. I don't daven for the Amud. Since my bar mitzvah, my parents had to force me to do that, I do not daven for the Amud. Why does he say he doesn't daven for the Amud? Because he has a manager. When a person experiences pain, what happens is that every person is, there's what's called self, that's IFS language self, yeah, with a capital S. But what we say self is, is your neshama. And they describe it in terms of the neshama being pure and clean and never gets dirty whatsoever. Never gets harmed, nothing can ever happen to it. But what happens is, over the course of life, it is inevitable that somebody's going to experience pain. Nobody escapes childhood without pain. There are the, um, we were actually talking about it with, 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 with my older kids, is that uh, if there's such a thing uh, as somebody who uh, makes it through childhood without scars, uh, either on their knees, their elbows, their chin, or all three, they probably didn't really have a child. Because that's just part of what life is, is you're gonna, you're gonna do things which are dangerous, which are, which are potentially dangerous, you're gonna get hurt, and you're gonna get those scrapes, and that's just part of how you learn is those things. So emotionally, we also uh, accumulate all sorts of scrapes and bruises and pains and stuff like that, but the neshama, but nobody likes to experience that pain. So what happens is, is that in the brain, this is where the parts come in, so when a child is told, you can't sing, because you sound terrible, you sound like a dying chicken, they're made fun of it, they feel bad about it, so then a manager part comes online and says, you know what, I'm going to control the environment to make sure that you don't feel that pain again. And that manager says, you do not dive into the um. You do not get up and show in front of everybody and sing ever, 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 it doesn't happen, no way, no how. So that manager is now in control over that part of, of, of you to make sure that you don't experience that pain. And everybody has these types of managers. Some people become like perfectionists, and therefore they figure by, by, by striving for perfection, nobody could ever make fun of them, nobody could ever put them down, because I'm now going to make sure that everything, I'm going to cross all my teeth, dot all my eyes, and I'm going to check 37 times to make sure that it's true. So that part that which, which compels a person, which which motivates a person to try and make sure to do everything absolutely perfect, so that's not an expression of neshama. That's a manager. The manager says we need to control the environment to make sure that you don't experience this pain. You have to dress a certain way. You have to behave a certain way. You have to look a certain way. All of those things which we do in terms of like peer pressure. So succumbing to peer pressure, giving into peer pressure, is a manager saying, you don't want to look different. You don't want to be that person. Everybody else is talking about that they're so different that they catch Del Sue and that they're whatever they're going to be. So you make sure that everything that you do is exactly the same. Exactly the same with everybody else. So we have all sorts of managers which are there to control the environment to make sure that we don't get hurt. Now, there's always a backup plan. What happens in the event that you try to control the environment and it failed? So that's where firefighters come in. Firefighters come in, as the term implies, when there's a fire, you need an emergency situation. Emergency crew comes in, and they need to put out the fire. So when the manager failed, and the person experienced pain anyways, then the firefighter part comes in and says, let's go ahead and let's put out the fire. So types of firefighters which exist, typical types of firefighters, common types of firefighters, are those people who drink too much, those people who take drugs, those people who engage in behaviors which are designed to numb you or to distract you from what's going on, sitting 20 hours a day on your phone is a firefighter. There's a pain which a person is experiencing, and they're trying to dis distract themselves from their <laughs> 
So this is something where the firefighter comes in and said, we can't allow the fire to just continue to burn. We have to figure out how to get it out as quickly as possible. Distraction or none? So that's not good. What? So that's not good. So it's not good. It's not good because of the thing itself. It's not good because it's it's not an expression of the Nishama. That Those behaviors don't represent the authentic you. Those behaviors came online because either it's a manager trying to control the situation, all parts are good for the specific job which they were designed to do, but when they take over and they begin to run the system, then they become bad. Because anything else other than the Nishamba being in charge means that there's still some sort of um, a, a lack of equilibrium. Person isn't balanced, the person isn't authentic with themselves. So anytime you have a manager who's in charge, a firefighter who's in charge, that means the shaman is not in charge. That means the person is not being their authentic self. They're not being their real authentic self. Now, these types of things, so we, we interact with our managers and our firefighters almost all the time. Because we're doing things, because we, we, we live in this sphere of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, somehow being called out for being different. One of the most powerful emotions that people have is shame. Shame is, we're wired in the brain to, to not respond well to shame because the country wired us that we cannot live independently. Nobody can live all by themselves. Nobody can live all by themselves and survive. The only way to survive is you have to be connected to other people. Shame triggers that fear that I'm going to be thrown out of the group. And if I'm thrown out of the group and I'm disconnected, that is the scariest thing that a person will, can face, will, will face. And therefore, uh, we will do what we can in order to avoid shame. And that's why when we have the fear of shame, that's where, for example, managers are going to come on. They're going to say, as much as you think this dress looks good, you can't actually wear that because what's that, what is everybody going to say if they see you wearing that dress? So just forget about it. Don't buy that dress. Don't do it. You want to pursue this hobby? You pursue this hobby. Everybody's going to make fun of you. And you're going to be that one that everybody's making fun of. And therefore, don't sing. Don't play the musical instrument. Don't draw. Don't do whatever it is that you want to do. Because shame is something the manager who is overseeing shame is so strong that it cannot tolerate that you would experience that. So we suppress these parts of it out of that concern for the shame which is there. There's a fellow, any of you are education people? Oh, wait, special ed. Okay. There's a, uh, one of the more famous, when they, and there's famous people like that, but there's a famous special ed teacher named Richard Lavoy. Some of you would know that the name. Um, but he uh, he was in charge of uh, of uh, a number of I think residential facilities where kids had to go away because their their special needs were so great in terms of uh, of their learning. So he says he talks a lot about uh, this idea. He said that as children are waiting uh, to get on the bus to go to school, he said they all pray the same the exact same thing. It's a universal prayer that all kids getting on the bus say, and that is it's very short it's to the point. It's Oh God, don't let it be me today. Which means that inevitably, somebody is going to be called out for being wrong about something. Somebody's going to embarrass themselves. And as long as it's going to be somebody else rather than me, so then I'm free and clear. So it's inevitable that somebody will be embarrassed today. Oh God, don't let it be me. And he said the reason why uh, teenagers have a tendency to pile on and point out when somebody does make that mistake is because if that person climbed onto the bus and they slipped and all their books fell out of their book bag, that means today is them. So if we keep reminding them of the fact that they were the ones who were embarrassed today, that shields me, that protects me from being embarrassed because we all know that it's that person who slipped and all their stuff fell out. So if I can just keep pointing, drawing attention that way rather than here, I protect myself. So it's not that the kids are bad that they're making fun of. It's because they're trying to protect themselves so that nobody, so that they should not have to experience their own shame. So therefore, they go ahead and do that. And he has all sorts of stories about incredible extents that people went in order to protect themselves in order to not experience shame. But shame is, again, the avoidance of shame is just another manager. It's another part. 
which is there to make sure that you do not experience shame or whatever the, the whatever other variety of pain, emotional pain that a person would experience. So that disconnect, that means that the neshama has been put aside into a little closet somewhere, or it's been put aside somewhere that doesn't have a chance to express itself. And that's, as we said, that's when a person is inauthentic, a person is not real, a person is not being authentic within themselves. If a person is not real and authentic with themselves, they cannot achieve their potential. Impossible. The only way for a person to be able to achieve their potential, the only way for a person to reach the destiny and to be able to fulfill what it is that God wants from them, why God created you, the only way to do that is to be authentic with yourself. If you spend your life trying to be somebody else, then you're not going to fulfill your mission. Because your mission is to be you, not them. So if you're trying to be somebody else in the process, so then you're not going to be able to do that. And that inauthenticity, it, it gets in the way of your neshama being able to express itself fully. So a healing process is, and a tshuva process, is the attempt, is striving to be more authentic and more real with myself. So if I know, let's say, for example, I know that I, I struggle getting up to Dabin Shabbos. Every other day, I'm tempted to call the Rav. It's 1230. Can I say, can I Shabbos? I can't Dabin Shabbos. I can say Brachos. I can't say Brachos. Whatever, however you want to go ahead and frame it. But a person knows that they have a hard time going ahead and Dabin on a regular basis. They know that that's something that they're supposed to do, but they can't. So what's the tuba process? So many people think of the tshuva process as a very superficial thing. I know that I'm doing this thing wrong of not davening regularly. I need to obey that I'm not davening regularly. I need to make a commitment that I will daven regularly, and I need to start davening. And I need to start davening regularly. Right? There's the charata. There's the kabbalah ala asid. There's the aziva sachet, and then there's the uh, the vidu. But not davening regularly is a symptom. It's not the real thing, which is which is at work over here. The, the real thing is not, the real issue is not what we see above the surface, which is the fact that you're not dominant. That's like by the Shomash Parosh, that's what you see above the surface. But there's a root system which exists beneath the surface, and if you're actually going to solve the issue, you got to pull out the root, and it's not enough just to cut it off at the top. Because even if you go ahead and say you start dominating regularly, you haven't pulled out the, the root, which was the, the, the cause of that. Why, why are you struggling to get up in the morning? Is it dominating regularly? You know that that's what you're supposed to do. You know something that you can do. So if it's something that you know you're supposed to do, and there's a, you know that it's something that you can do because you have done it before, why aren't you doing it? It could be because you want to sleep. But even that is really just a superficial answer because you could go to sleep earlier. Why not go to sleep earlier? I never said it's the beginning of a good day, so it's a good night's sleep. Right? So why aren't you doing it? Why are you finding yourself every night? Parents are quiet down, it's 11.30, go to sleep already, you've got school tomorrow. Evan? 11.30. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the parents are trying to sleep. It's, uh... So why, why, why is it that that's such a struggle? Because there's something much deeper about your relationship with Davin which is getting in the way. Why aren't you connecting with Davin? If it was something that you needed to do, something you were excited about, let the example that they would always give is, if you have a flight at 5.30 in the morning, are you going to get up? You're on your way to Eretz Yisrael to hopefully get there in time for service. So, and you need to wake up at 3.30 in the morning in order to make that flight. Did you get up? Absolutely, you can. So, you have the ability to get up early and to get up on time when you need to. But you are struggling when you go ahead and then you're trying to apply that to Dabin. So that means that there's something going on in terms of your relationship with Dabin that needs to be addressed, not simply waking up in the way. It's not getting a better alarm clock. Getting a better alarm clock is, is, is a band aid. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work. It works for a couple of days. Then you sleep through the alarm and it just annoys everybody else in the house. Because if you're not motivated to get up, so then you're just going to go ahead and you're going to sleep through it. So the chuba process is to figure out what are the managers who are in charge? What are the firefighters which are in charge? What are they protecting me from? Because managers and firefighters are always there to protect you. 
it becomes it becomes imbalanced because they begin to dominate the system. They they, they take over the leading role where they're supposed to be a supporting actor. So it's bad in the movie or it's bad in the drama if one of the supporting role people decides that they're going to be the lead actor and then the lead actor has to step aside. There's a reason why this person is the lead and this person is a supporting actor. And if they, if they mess up their roles, then the whole thing isn't going to make any sense. So the true process isn't simply addressing a, a, a known behavior the real tshuva, the deep tshuva, is when you go ahead and figure out why am I doing these averas? What is the shorish? What is at the root of this avera? What pain am I trying to avoid? Or what's, what's motivating me to do these behaviors or to not do the things which I'm supposed to do? Because if I can address that, then I can go ahead, I can pull that behavior out from the root. And then now I'm going to get closer to self capital S, or as we would say, I get closer to my neshama. And the closer I get to my neshama, the more my neshama is what people are going to see about me. The more my, my, my neshama is what I project outwards. So that's the more authentic I am. And then that's what allows me to be ultimately connected with HaKadosh Baruch Connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Vegas with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, happens when we are authentic with ourselves and we embrace every, every part of ourselves. Not trying to suppress, not trying to pretend that a part of us doesn't exist or wish it out of existence, that never works. Authenticity is when I'm, I'm capable of embracing who I am with all of my strengths and with all of my challenges. I mentioned that my new favorite term, blossom. F-L-A-W-S-O-M-E. No? No, that's not. Well, I'll ask it together. I'll do my notes. I saw somebody else. I wish I was so creative like that to make it up, and I'm not. Blossom. It's an adjective. An individual who embraces their flaws and knows they're awesome regardless. Yes. So that is that is the ultimate chuva. The ultimate chuva is not, as we said, is not when you did not pay on January 1st, and I get to chuva on January 2nd to go back to December 31st and rewrite history as if you didn't do that Avera, that may be chuva meira. That is a lower level of chuva, but the real deep chuva is to spend time on January 2nd and ask yourself, what compelled me to go ahead and do this Avera? What's at the root of this Avera that on January 1st, I was willing to go ahead and have that double bacon cheeseburger? Because until I know what motivated me to do so, why I was willing to compromise my principles, what I was trying to accomplish, then I'm not going to get to the root of that Avera to be able to solve it. What? Well, like, like in the, that's why I chose the dominant ones because a person it feels completely disconnected from dominant. They're just mumbling words which have no meaning to them whatsoever. That's For most people, they have either 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 they're they're a, a real type of person who wants to connect and they never learned it clearly enough that it, it means something to them. For some people, it happens to be that they have trouble with dominant because when you were with, I don't know what to do with. What experience you had with Dabin when you were young, when you were in school young, and they were teaching you the Dabin, they didn't want to make sure that your fingers are in place. But what happens for those kids who have a hard time keeping their finger in the place? They get rid of it. What? Well, they get rid of it. They get really annoying? They get annoyed. They don't want to do it. Right, what does the teacher do to them? Oh. It's but the, in the brain, it already knows that I have a negative association with that. So usually, usually you know, people with the, the ones who created that, that the, the, the shama, the self, by and large, they can tell you. I, I, I had a conversation with a girl who was, you know, uh, 
you know, a horrible trauma that, that, that she experienced, and we're talking about a particular behavior which she did, and I, I was amazed, because I'm not a trained therapist at all, I was amazed that I was able to take her back, and she understood exactly why she, she was doing some behaviors that she was doing. She was like all upset about what she had done, and she was like, she was, you know, it was you know, potentially very dangerous for what, the, what, what she had done, but you could take the person back, and then the, the, the part which was expressing itself at that time, they know what's going on. They know why they're there. Each part has like its own personality. That's what you're talking about in terms of parts work. So each part has a personality, and they know what they're trying to accomplish. But then, so then, once you know what the real problem is, how do you fix it? Yeah, so they, they, they have a, 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 a plan. I mean, you know, you, you think that if you sing now in public, that you're going to be made fun of. But back then, you didn't understand what good singing was and bad singing. You know, back then, you didn't know the difference between knowing the words and not knowing the words and how to carry a tune and not knowing the tune. You're not four anymore. You're not 44. And now you can decide when you're going to, you can learn the words, you can learn the tune, you can practice, and you can do it proficiently. And you have to let that part know, I appreciate very much that you protect me for the past 40 years, I wouldn't be embarrassed, but it's okay now, we, we got this. That part, again, it sounds like a strange thing, but that part still thinks it's four years old. Whenever, part, whenever that came online because of that pain, it gets locked in, it locked in time at that, at that moment. And then they don't realize that. What? Let's say with the cheeseburger. So a person really wants to keep the cheeseburger, so... I don't know. I don't, I don't know what uh, that that particular one. I don't know. I use that as my that, that's my go to out there on the show all the time. Double bacon cheeseburger. But I, I don't. You know, I, I don't. Know. I, I know that I have. I, I, it's uh, interesting for me to imagine what the taste would be, but not enough that I'm going off the Burger King to, to grab one. Yeah, that, that was so interesting. I haven't, haven't crossed that line uh, as of yet. But then, what's the thing? Sometimes, sometimes you have to know about the, about the brain. You have to know about dopamine. You have to know about the, the brain chemicals and what your person is missing and what they're trying to get and how they're going to get those brain chemicals. But it's amazing that when you're thirsty, right, all of a sudden, you know, how, how sometimes you're, you're in the mood, you, you need a drink because your, your body's thirsty. You ever need some salt? You just need some chips or some pretzels? Right? So there's, there's a different lab. Ever just need chips or pretzel? Yeah, thirsty is one thing. You ever uh, just say you're walking? I was like, I'm sorry, I need a snack. I don't want sweet. I want salty. Ever have that? Or you want salt? You want you want sweet rather than salty, or salty rather than sweet? So the brain knows that you you you're you're short on some chemical. It says you need to have this, and therefore I'll just have you think about you know pretzels, or have you think about uh, chips, or something like that, and that's I'm going to get you to to do it. So I have to send you a direct message. You just it just registered in your head. Oh, I'm in the mood for chips. That's what cravings are. It's a brain telling you we we, we need more of it. What? It could be for those for those things. If you need salt, it's always because you need some. Huh? It's always because you need some. Where else does it come from? Where do these where do these magical thoughts come from? Well, yeah, because when you deprive yourself of something, then your your body goes into like hunger, strikes, survival mode, and it wants you to eat tons of it. But if you just constantly satisfy your hunger, in a healthy way, there's a genetic component to it. Believe it or not, whether or not uh, you know what where, where your ancestors. The, you know, live and whether they had plenty of food or they had little food, how your body stores food or doesn't, uh, you know, store food rather than anything. There's all sorts of different uh, factors which come in, but generally, um, the brain is pretty, the brain is able to figure out exactly what it needs, when it needs it, and send the necessary signals to you to, uh, to get it. That's what the, the, the way it is. So the, the, the brain is very smart, but if, if you sit down and you're honest with yourself, so you can figure out a lot about your motivations and your behaviors based on this, this model. But ultimately, all of this is, this whole thing, IFS, and this whole process of Juba is to get you ultimately to be honest and authentic with yourself, authentic and real with yourself, because once you are authentic and real with yourself, that's when you have the capacity to connect to our Zvekas cannot take place, Zvekas of HaKadosh cannot take place while you're being somebody else. If you're acting like somebody else, you're trying to be something that you're not, it's not going to happen. Anytime there's a disconnect internally within who you are, 
That means that you're going to have a hard time connecting with other people. Your interpersonal relationships are going to be uh, impaired, and certainly your relationship with the Kaddish Baruch is going to be impaired. Are there? I don't need to know what it is. Do all of you have behaviors that you know you should do or you should not do, and yet you're struggling to be able to do it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Right? So what, what, what's up with that? You know what I'm supposed to do? What's the point? Why is, why is, this, why is it so hard? Nobody has good relationships. What? Nobody has good relationships. So it's it, it's not on or off. It's not a switch. It's a dial. And in some ways, we, we there's why, why do you connect with some people you don't connect with others? Why, why, why does it happen? So what 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 are one of those components which are, which fit together don't fit together? How am I supposed to know? Huh? How am I supposed to know that? So you, we, we, by and large, connect with those people who we don't perceive as a threat. Those people we connect with. Those people that we, we, we those people that you meet, the, the, the brain is, incredible, is an incredible predicting machine. In, 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 instant of, in, in a fraction of a second, you meet somebody for the first time, and you've already shot them up, as they say. You've already uh, evaluated them, whether this is a person who's a friend or a foe. And then you decide, when you, when you showed up at seminary, there's all those new people that you uh, you never met before. How do you decide which ones you're going you're gonna to talk with and which ones you're just going to avoid? So the, the brain tells you, the brain is able to look out and see certain characteristics. We don't even know what they are because they're, they're so, it could be the way their eyes look, it could be the way their nose look. It could be all sorts of things. But we look at a person, the way they're sitting, the way they're standing, the way they're dressed. But we look at a person, and immediately the brain makes a judgment of them, whether friend or foe. Before consciously you've even you know, figured out what they're wearing, the brain is already deciding whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable with that person. And that's based on experience. It's based on the experiences we've had with other people with those particular traits. Do they make you feel comfortable? That's a potential friend. Do they make you feel uncomfortable? There's another person back in third grade who wore that same shirt, the same color combination, and they made fun of me and they bullied me. And now, 10 years later, I'm in seminary, somebody's wearing that. No, no, no. I don't know. I just I don't click with that person. What do you mean you don't click with that person? How do you know you don't click with that person? No, no, just don't. I don't click. It's not me. So that's going back. You know, to that time when whoever whoever that was went ahead and bullied you, and that's that, that that's the way the brain works. So if I like bite my nails or crack my knuckles, that's not like I know I should stop. But is that coming from trauma? Uh, it's coming from pain. Like... People, are, I don't want to use the term trauma, but avoiding the word trauma by and large because it's the it's a scarier word. So it's just about a pain. Someone has pained me, so now I crack my knuckles. Okay. Right. Because... A nervous well, what, what, what's a nervous head? Why, why, why do people go like this? It's nervous. Like it's just what I do. No, but oftentimes those types of repetitive uh, emotions that people do. You know, people crack their neck and people crack their fingers and do all sorts of things. So usually that's the way of of, of, of unloading nervous energy. No, it's, it's not just that the knuckle needs to be cracked. It's, there, there's there's a nervous energy inside, and that, that, that's how it gets released. Body language people will tell you that. That you, is you're is your interviewing somebody, you're talking to somebody, and they do a repetitive motion again and again, right? It can be. If we get we get distracted by that a little bit because we do a lot of chuckling. But if you see a person you're talking with somebody, all of a sudden they start going like this, or on their hand, on their legs, they start going like this, or like this. Anything that they're doing like this again and again, that's a soothing motion. That means that there's energy which is building up, and like a baby needs to be soothed, you need to just hold them and soothe them. So they, they call it self-soothing things. So now you know that you're having a conversation, they're nervous about something. You don't know necessarily what it is, but that's a uh, that's clear indicator that they're, that they're nervous about something. Everybody's yeah. nervous about their interviews. What? Everybody's nervous about their interviews. Yeah, but it could be, yeah, that's true. It could be that they're, they're, they're going to be nervous about that. But you could, you could be having a lunch with somebody with a coworker, and you bring up a topic, and then all of a sudden they start going, they start going like this. So you, you, you notice that something just happened. A change just happened, and it's a self-soothing motion. Like, every time you're shooting your thumbs up, every time you just go against repetitive again, it's just a fair to go like this and then you go back to that side. But if you see a person, you know, it's going like this. You know, let, 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 we'll use that example. I don't, I don't want to skip it. Your, your boss calls you in and says, you know, we, we have a meeting. And then you're talking five, ten minutes about nothing, nothing. And then they start going like this. 
That means that they're about to introduce a topic which is taking the nerves. That's really what the main point of the meeting is about. And you can see them begin to get nervous as you watch them do that repetitive, that repetitive thing. Those who are trained, if you want to know how to be trained, that they say that what you can do is you can curl your toes inside of your shoe. That way nobody will see it. So you're letting out the energy, but it's it's taking place, you know, where you can, where it can't be seen, it's not visible, and that's how you offload all of that uh, nervous energy. Politicians, that's what they're trained to do when they're having a debate. So funny. Next time I see someone doing a nervous five, I'll say my rabbi said to me. <laughs> That's what that's what that's wired our, 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 our brains in that way is that we need to get rid of, we need to get rid of that energy. We can't can't have too much nervous energy in the inside. So, anyways, so uh, so the the point is is that we have the capacity to be to explore our inner world. In exploring our inner world, in thinking about those things, if you if you try try this you'll get. Choose two or three behaviors which you would really like to change, things that you know you should be doing that you're not, things that you know you should not be doing, but you find yourself doing them anyways. And on your kipper, spend some time, you know, that we have a lot of those are shots, it's a lot of time to just sit and sort of think and, and try and explore why do I do those behaviors or why do I not, why do I struggle with it? What's going on internally? What am I afraid of to engage in those behaviors? Or what's, what, why, why, why is this something which is so hard for me? And if, if you are willing to be honest with yourself, you'll think you'll know what the reason is. You'll know what the impediment is. You, you would know why you're not doubting, because it's just boring to you. Or because you know you had a hard time in school when you were supposed to when you were supposed to uh, to be doubting. But you'll know exactly what it is, and uh, you, you can address it then. You know, it's possible to go ahead and address, but that ultimately is what Shuva is. I'm going to get to the return. So we're we're turning. We say tshuva is returning. We're not going back to pre the avera to the moment right before the avera. That that's what I'm going back to. That's not going back far. What I need to go back is I need to go back to the root. I need to go back to my neshama, and I need to allow my neshama self. But I need to allow my neshama to emerge and now be the the being which is going to guide my behavior. And when I can do that, then the simcha, the joy of Yom Kippur, is the fact that now that I've discovered myself, now that I've returned to my authentic self, I've returned to my neshama, now I have the potential to be able to connect up and grow up into the power. Because I'm no longer suppressing a part of myself, I'm no longer denying a part of myself which exists, because as long as you're doing that, then that inevitably means you're unhappy with Hakadosh Baruch He's the one who created this for you, who gave this to you. So if you're denying and suppressing a part of yourself, that's going to create a barrier which is going to not allow you to connect with Hashem Baruch fully. But once you're willing to embrace who you are, you're willing to accept who you are, you're flawsome, right? You recognize what those flaws are. But this is what Hashem Baruch wanted for me. This is what he gave me, and he wants me to do something in that flawsome way. Then I can say, okay, this, this is what it is. Right, the, the, the Gemara tells the story of one of the, it was one of them, right, went out to somebody and said, I don't think I've ever seen somebody as ugly as you. Kind of bold saying that you're, that you're saying to somebody. But he, he was very critical of somebody saying he's very ugly. And that person's response was, was clapped. And the person said, well, you have to complain to the one who made it. It's obviously God. And Amora took that and it was, you know, felt terrible remorse and regret over having said that because the person was right. That, that person was, was flossome. He knows that there's something about his appearance which is not typical. But he said, I didn't do it. I didn't ask for this. I didn't order it. This is what happened Barco made me. Obviously, he made me this way for a reason. And I have to accept it. And I have to embrace it. If I can embrace it, then I don't get bothered by somebody else making fun of me. Because... God made me this way. Why, why do I have to be embarrassed of the way God made me? If you, if you don't like it, ask God. But it's not, it's not me. I didn't choose it. So this is all part of the real, the, the real chuba, the real authentic chuba is a process of self-discovery. It's a process whereby you become authentic and real with yourself, and that allows you to become the best version of yourself. And that's why, at the end of the day, you know, Kipper is not simply that I unburden myself from all these abeyrons. 
It's not the, the, the unburdening, which is the source of the joy. The source of the joy is I can now live internally within myself. My internal world is now a good place for me to live. Many people find that their internal world is a very uncomfortable place to be, and they don't want to be there, and that's why they rely on managers, and they rely on firefighters, and they do all sorts of things not to have to spend time in their internal world. And that creates, you know, a bunch of discontent, and it creates all sorts of uh, discomfort within a person's life. And that's why they need distractions, and that's why they need numbing, and they need all sorts of things. And the greatest gift that a person can get is to be able to give a person themselves. They will say, you are who you are, and that's the best thing that you could be. And then they feel comfortable within themselves. And once they're comfortable within themselves, then they can connect with others, they can connect with the Hanish Baruch then everything falls into place. And that is the highest level of tshuva. The highest level of tshuva is to be authentic, to be real with yourself, without a concern about the, about what others are saying or doing or what they may not be saying or doing. You're, you're good within yourself. But it's not it's a, it's a lifetime worth of a hoda to be able to, to, be able to, to reach that point. But that's, that's where the real shuva uh, uh, lies. That's ultimately what we're about. Okay? Well, so after Yadav, whenever we return again, so you guys will tell me how successful you were at not necessarily repairing. That's a different thing. this afternoon, we'll, we'll talk about that. But it's not necessarily repairing what needs to be repaired, but even being able to identify and know what the source of that thing is, if it's getting in the way, just knowing that already puts you way ahead. All right? All right. Marcus in the in the chair, and we will see you back in the face. I get to sit actually I hope you go on the hell. Yeah, so what nice. Very yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's like it's very well. But I'm not yeah. I really don't know if I had any longer. I was so much. I need to manage around.